and I got a free one-hour consultation on my business idea. I said to him, you know, I want to photograph animals in a studio like what people do for people but for pets. And he actually laughed at me and said, that will only ever be a hobby. That's like no one's going to come to that. That's a stupid idea. Hey, Weekenders, welcome back to the Art of Photography podcast, where we share our passion and we share how photography gives us hope, purpose, and happiness. And today, I am so excited to introduce Alex, who's been crushing it as a pet photographer, and she also crushing it in, um, you know, creating a business and coaching kind of a business to help other photographers to crush it just like her so i'm really excited for you to to um hear some of the story behind her success hey alex how you doing good thank you how are you you made me blush that was such a lovely introduction <laughs> no no you're you're well deserved uh, i feel like um, i mean we're gonna go into that a little bit later but i feel like you know everything you, you created just go crazy so that's amazing to, to see um yeah so um you know thanks oh, a lot thank for you. um joining us and um w- introduce um give us a little bit introduction of um, who you are and you know a little bit background on um what really got you into photography and what was life before photography so i'm a professional pet and animal photographer based in perth in australia but i work quite globally particularly on different animal charity projects so my photography is my day job Uh, mostly i photograph pets in a studio And I photograph wildlife in a studio as well for rescue groups. And then I also do natural light photography and tours. So a kind of weird combination using artificial lighting for some things. And then, you know, the non-pet stuff I do uh, outdoors using natural light. Um, And I also photograph wildlife in the studio as well. So it's kind of a weird mix. But I started photographing probably about 15 years ago. I went on a holiday to um, like an, an old kind of prisons, tourist attraction, it was an old prison, you know, ruin. And I was walking around the ruins and I had a small point and shoot camera. And I just thought this camera isn't enough. It was just kind of a a hobby. I bought a camera because I was going on holiday. And when I got home, I thought cameras with the big lenses so I can, you know, photograph birds and just avoid using the smaller camera, but kind of outgrew it pretty quick. So I came home and I bought a $350 entry level digital SLR. It was a very cheap kind of budget camera. And I thought, you know, I'm going to photograph everything. You know, this is easy. I'm going to photograph still life and landscapes and animals, people. So easy. Just point the thing and push the button. And little did I realize uh, that it's not all very easy. Some things are quite hard and animals are what I gravitated to and found the easiest and found I was getting the best results in. So I stuck to that fairly quickly. I'm about eight weeks in. I just decided I wanted to photograph animals. And I guess now my life is just consumed by animals. They're some of my best friends. But, you know, one of my best friends is a cat. Um, don't tell anyone. <laughs> and I also, you know, animals are um, surrounded by them in my home. I've got my own pets. I travel and I work with animals. Um, you know, my charity works revolves around animals. And I just think that's a really nice energy to be around. I feel very lucky. Um, before photography came along, I was in audit and compliance kind of roles. I was a police officer for 14 years and I was an um, airport auditor. So I was going airport audits for their counter-terrorist security measures for five years. So a lot of like 
checking boxes and enforcement and compliance and to switch into something you know lovely like the arts is a, a real shift and I'd much rather be where I am now than doing those jobs oh that's that's awesome and like do you always um um do you always have a creative um side of you or like photography really um appeal to that creative um side all of a sudden um how's your uh, creativity you know in your life altogether that's a great question I didn't have any I don't think I really had any creativity but I was in my early 30s and I was kind of looking for my thing like I really wanted my thing that you know I could just do that brought me joy it wasn't even something I had to be good at it and it was you know something that is exclusive like I didn't have to be number one in the world I just wanted a thing that I could enjoy um my grandmother was a very talented painter she would paint on china like cups and mugs and plates and she was a very good artist and um, you know my dad always took photographs when i was younger so there, there was a bit of a family history of you know being artistic but i can't even draw a picture like i my drawings are like stick figures and that's why i take photos because i just can't you know can't print what i see with my hand but yeah just when i picked up that camera i found that i gravitated towards animals very quickly And I love that they became like the natural focus of my lens pretty much. And that I found that probably six months before I went on that trip and bought that camera, I was, I thought maybe, I, maybe I'll be a soccer player. That sounds like fun. And so I went to a soccer training. I bought all the gear because I thought, you know, spend all this money on the gear and got there and it was my turn to kick the ball. And it was only training. And I, I kicked the ball and I, boy, it went for miles. And the coach turned around and said, did you just kick that off your toes? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it went really far. And she's like, we don't kick like that. It's off the side of your foot. And I was like, oh, I don't know if this is going to go so well. And then you had to run and you had to bend down. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm up for this exercise thing like that. So I, you know, I realized fairly quickly it wasn't going to be soccer. Uh, then I started writing a book on other people's supernatural experiences. And I thought, well, that got a bit weird. And I was, went off that. And so I was trying to find the thing. And, you know, I was, I was actively trying stuff to see what I enjoyed the most. And I'm still doing it, so because I still love it. So yeah, I was glad that it stuck. That's that's interesting. And what what is it that one thing that make you feel? Because you know you you just say you try a few different things, but you know what mm. is that thing that make you like um, feel that photography is that thing that you want to pursue? Yeah, I didn't really have any. I played tennis and basketball, but I didn't really have. So I had sport, but I didn't really have any hobbies had a little house I'd built and I'd do gardening and but beyond that like I was like I don't really have a passion like you know I just kind of go to work and I come home and I wanted something that I just got a lot of enjoyment out of that I could do and you know photography ticked that box and I think I've always loved animals I'm an only child so I grew up around animals they were actually some of my first friends you know I grew up on a farm we had you know bottle fed baby lambs and rescue kangaroo joeys and you know you know, little animals that we'd found and rehabilitated. So I grew up around guinea pigs and dogs. And and so I just love that that kind of, you know, was incorporated into my life now. But I feel like too, before photography, I was kind of walking around but not seeing anything, you know, like you would understand too as a photographer, even if you don't take the photo of the dog, you might look at it and go, that would make a great photo. I'm like that with landscapes and environment. And, you know, if I see a, a cobweb and it's got some, dew shining in the sunlight I'm like wow that would make a great photo I don't take it because I can't do it justice but I still see stuff that other people just tread on you know because they don't when you're 
when you're looking for images all the time, the world is seen in a different way. And I, and I travel a lot and I do these tours and I'm always looking through the barrel of my lens. Sometimes I think, you know, am I missing out on the true experience? And I'm like, well, no, for me, that is the experience. I see more looking through that camera than I see just sitting here going, mm, you know, because I'm here, I'm just looking at all of it. There I'm trying to find bits that really jump out and that are interesting to me that I can share as something I see as a story I want to tell about that animal. You know, you know what? That is that is awesome. And um, we, we get we, we get talked about this a lot, um, you know, like uh, uh, most of the time people say it's like, oh, maybe, you know, like just put down your camera and observe mm -hmm. and, you know, enjoy and take it in. And it is true in a way, but the way you put it is also very true and something that I never think about, um, which is really interesting because, um, you know, when, when I, when I um, um, teach my mentee or my students, that's what I tell them is that, you know, like mm -hmm. sometimes like, you know, that a lens is going to be restrictive. So you need to think about what part of the landscape because it is overwhelming to you yes so it's yeah. really interesting that you to point uh, to point out that you actually get more experience by looking mm -hmm. through the lens that that is really interesting something that i a perspective that i never think about before uh -huh. um yeah that's 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 really awesome so oh, would you. you say that um um you know your your uh the fact that you grew up in in a farm um mm -hmm help you to find a niche and you know fall in love to that particular niche and and stuck with it um, right away yeah I think it's a good lesson I think even even for other people who are trying to find their thing what do you love doing what do you love being around do you love nature do you love um, watching sport on television maybe your job's a sports commentator or just to go and play sport like you know whatever the thing is that you love I have always had an affinity with animals I've always love their company. I respect them. I see them as sentient beings, you know, and I, I used to volunteer at some rescue centers, cleaning out, you know, dog cage kennels and cages and stuff like that. And so to be able to photograph them and then use those images to give back to them in some way, which is really important to me too, is, is a real, I feel is a real gift to me. Like, you know, they're like, wow, we got these images for our rescue. I'm like, no, I got them to meet your amazing animals and be in their company. So I think just looking at your life, if you, you know, it, it, and it wasn't ever for me about even it being a business. It's just what I really wanted to do. If anything, in the early days when I thought, you know, I had this little room in the bottom of my garden, it's now my office where I am now, my first studio, it's very small. And I thought, you know, I might make that a studio. I, I struggled photographing pets outside using natural light. Fine with wildlife. Even now I find it a little bit hard. don't know why it's just a disconnect in my, my brain. It's not my skill set. So I wanted to photograph animals in a studio, pets in a studio, because I loved that. And so I converted the little room and I went to a business advisory centre and I got a free one-hour consultation on my business idea. I said to him, you know, I want to photograph animals in a studio like what people do for people but for pets. And he actually laughed at me and said, that will only ever be a hobby. That's like no one's going to come to that. That's a stupid idea. And I was just like, oh, I thought, oh, well, maybe it's not a dog person. And I left. And luckily, I was too stubborn to listen because I just wanted to do it. If no one turned up, oh, well, I just photographed my own dog in there, you know. And, you know, now looking back, I always think, I wonder if I should send him a Christmas card. Let him know how it's been going for the last 12 years. <laughs> it's been going pretty good. So, you know, don't let anyone tell you that your thing isn't the right thing if that's what you really want to do. Just do it. You know, no one else's opinion matters if it's making you happy. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That that is such an inspiration. And um, you know, there's uh, I I 
you know, as as um someone who 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 empower who whose mission is to empower others to be better in photography, I get crushed when I when I hear um you know people people say that kind of thing because um mm-hmm. you know I believe that yes it might be hard but it's never impossible. It's about you mm-hmm. know how you can find find that creativity to create you know something out of nothing so um i think that is really amazing that you you know you you kept stuck with it and um you know looking back um you can you can think to those days and actually you know um use that and i know that you're an educator as well and actually use that um as um, a way to you know as an example to to those people who doesn't believe in it because quite clearly you know usually you're the person who doesn't believe it and your mentor is the mm-hmm. one that push you but this uh-huh. is right off the bat you're like no no it's not gonna yeah. work <laughs> <It's> like, <"Mm-mm." laughs> that is incredible yeah that is yeah. incredible um thank you yeah um so do you know um sh- share us share with us a little bit about you know what is um what is the day in the life of Alex? Um, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, what, what, what's, um, um, not, not only, you know, the, the business side of things, but also in, you know, like with the, with the photography, you know, you just say that your business part, uh, your business, um, I don't know, mentor or whatever mm-hmm. he may be or a consultant, um, think it's impossible. And yet here mm-hmm. you made it. So what do you do to kind of make that work? I think for anyone that's in a portrait photography kind of area, the the best thing I did was just photograph dogs. You know, the more photographs you take for clients, the more other people see that work, the more your brand starts to grow. I also had this really clear picture at the start that I kind of saw myself in the middle and all my clients were around here. And then I was surrounded by all these other photographers doing similar things or taking photos and trying to buy you know, for a bit of that market as well. And I kind of thought, you know, these clients are never going to know who I am if they, if my peer group of photographers don't know who I am. You know, unless I have a brand name in photography, then how am I going to push out to the public, expect them to know me when my own peer group doesn't know who I am? So I used competitions in the beginning to grow my profile. I entered a lot of competitions they're they're not really things that have ever bought me a client. A client will say, oh, you won a prize. And I'll say, oh, is that why you booked a photo session? No, no, no. You photographed my friend's German Shepherd and I saw their photos. You know, it's not that, but they'll recognize it. So for brand building, it's good. Doesn't necessarily prompt them to pull the trigger and book a session. So I just, um, you know, started pushing out amongst photographers and going to camera clubs and speaking at camera clubs and doing presentations and sharing information with You know, camera clubs are kind of anyone from really, really strong, they're all enthusiast level, but really strong level to like amateur hobbyist beginner kind of thing in the range. And I started judging at the camera clubs and doing judging. And, you know, now those camera club people are the ones who, if they get asked by a friend, can you photograph my dog? You've got that camera. They go, no, you've got to go to Alex. She comes to our club and she's lovely and she talks to us and she judges and you know, they're the ones that book my tours. They, they, you know, buy my books. They, you know, um, you know, participate in the things I do, listen to the podcasts, you know. So I really grew that profile. And then I pushed out then from that into the public as well, just because I kind of, you know, photographers were partly doing the job for me and recommending me, you know, to, to their friends and family. And it started to grow. So it was important for me to, yeah, make sure that I was known, you know, in my own profession and then I kind of stretched out from that. But 
just photographing, you know, even, you know, I've been very lucky to have some amazing experiences, but you know, if your ego gets carried away with the number of books you have or how many times you've been on TV or awards and you don't look after your core group of clients, the whole house of cards falls down. No photos for books, no photos for awards, no people telling you how good you are because you've dropped the ball. You know, you've got to consistently keep up with the business demands, the standard of service, you know, all your professional outputs and make sure the clients are satisfied because they're taking those images into their homes and other people are seeing them and they're talking about you. And that's where business comes from. First and foremost, your customers. So I've I'm really glad I learned early on to not get caught up in, oh, I've won a pro- an award or people telling me how great I am about because I've got this or, you know, I really was like, that's all lovely, but that's not what generates core business, you know, that's clients and servicing the needs of those clients and making sure they're looked after and they're happy. That's, that's great. Um, you know, like um, some of the stuff that you just shared there, um, it's, uh, it's really, it's, it's really amazing. Um, especially for photographers, it's, um, you know, usually we, we, we don't really connect that sort of things. Um, you know, we just like taking photo. Um, mm-hmm. Do you always like, you always know that, you know, ever since you pick up that camera, do you always know that, okay, you know, like, this is awesome. This is for me. I want to make a full-time like, um, a way to support my lifestyle or mm-hmm. has it been a, a process to kind of get there and to actually um, realize that yes this is what I'm you know was born for this is what I want to make mm-hmm. out of my life yeah another great question when I first started taking photos in 2006 it was just fun you know I was just kind of yeah, if I even showed you some of those pictures now I, I was good at self-auditing So I was really hard on myself. This is only 99% sharp. Don't show anyone. So I was kind of good at, you know, learned and grew fairly quickly. You know, some photographers take a million photos and they stay at the same level. Some, I've got some friends who take photographs and just accelerate in what they do really quickly. So I kind of had a, a, you know, really clear picture of what I was doing there. I just wanted to, you know, elevate my photography and take the best photos I could for me. And then in time, that kind of the hobby, I kind of thought, oh, you know, people started saying we photograph my pets. I realized within about eight weeks of getting that camera that animals were my focus. There was a really pivotal moment at a park with a friend and her family. And she said, um, can you take some photos for us of the family? And the daughter was doing some ballet twirling. And while she was twirling around, I kind of said, just keep spinning. And a bird flew past. So when I got home, I had more photos of the bird than I did of her doing her ballet twirling. And that started happening more and more often. So I kind of, you know, realized that that was a thing that I was gravitating towards. So I listened to that. And then it was just meant to be fun. I did a few pet shoots for people. They were, I was charging $95 for a disc of 100 photos of dogs outdoors and I wasn't really enjoying it. And I kind of thought, you know what, I just want to do wildlife photography and had some studio lights I was using for a rescue and a backdrop. And I thought, I do like the studio stuff because I can control the environment a bit more. I can control the animals a bit more. And so I just really stuck with that. And the progression was just doing what made me happy. Um, I honestly thought my best case scenario would be maybe working four days a week in my government job and doing photography on a Friday and a Saturday. That would be my plan. And I opened my studio on the 4th of July, 2009. And by October, 2010, so about you know, 15 months later, the demand was so great that the business was going to collapse if I didn't give up the other job because I didn't have enough time. I was traveling to airports a lot and I was away a lot. And I was like, well, I either stick with what I've known for 20 years 
safety, superannuation, you know, job security, government, you know, get looked after? Or do I just go and run a business that I knew nothing about doing? And I didn't have a lot of debt at the time. And I thought, you know what, if it all fails, I'll just go and work in a, a pet product store, be around animal people and sell, you know, dog treats. So if you ever see me working in a pet store, you know, it didn't turn out so well. But that never happened. And so there, there was no pressure. But I also followed opportunity and I, and I take, took the opportunities as they came along. And I think that's really important too, to make sure you follow, you know, if something presents itself, you make good informed decisions at the time that aren't going to cripple you financially and cause you a lot of stress. But yeah, followed it along and I've literally been fully booked for like, you know, the last nine years doing, you know, 30 to 40 sessions a month consecutively, you know, consistently all the way through. So, yeah. Wow. That is incredible. Um, you know, that's just so, so inspiring, um, you know, to, to be able to um, thrive in the business in, in such a short period of time. Um, you know, like um, I think as a photographer, um, the business side of it, um, doesn't necessarily come natural to a lot of um mm. you know creative as well as photographer um i mean you know a lot a lot of a lot of time i i realized that photographers are enjoying what they do and so you know they don't compel to charge for what they do because just being able to share their photo is already given them so much um fulfillment and this like mm. you know happy feeling um what are you know so, some of the um, some of the most important aspect on you know within that um, turning point between you you starting out to making it full time that had really become one of the most important thing to turn um, your photography from um, you know a side thing as a hobby all the way to being a, a full time a full blown you know running it um as a business type of thing yeah i think it's a really good point you hit on like you know i work with some of the best pet photographers in the world in my business coaching but some of them have trouble getting clients in because they just don't have a an ability they don't have an ability to market in a certain way or they don't have a structure to run clients through that's consistent and and stable and so you know that having consistent communication at a professional ethical level gives clients confidence in the business and wants, you know, it gives it a professional outlook. And so for me, it was um, implementing systems and processes. I have this saying where I'm like, I don't have enough life left to live to spend 20 hours a day in the office. You know, I don't, anything I can shortcut by clicking a button, good databasing system with all my clients in there that sends emails and contracts. And so just automating things as much as I can, you know, just having a system it's like building a house and you want to run your clients through the house, through the tour of the house, but it's all systemized. You get them to turn up by marketing. You run them through. You don't want them to go into the, you know, like I say, the attic or the basement because they're out of bounds. So there's rules and boundaries in your communication. That a rule could be where they park on the day, what they wear for a portrait shoot and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, when they have to pay for their order, all those clear communication things you need with clients. And then they get to the end of the, the house tour. They love it. So they give you their money. That's them making their order and they leave happy. And then they come back again another day and do the house tour all over it. You know, come back as a repeat client, tell their friends, you know. So it's about kind of building a house, but it's a business structure. And, you know, for me, it was just really important to make sure, you know, when a client does this, I know I do that. And it's, and it's consistent. You know, they do this, I do that. They respond with this, I do that. So just having a system in place because, I mean, I've heard that comment that you can take rubbish photos and still make a lot of money in business. I don't entirely 
you know, you might one person may be able to do that because it's a gimmicky thing, but uh, I don't entirely believe that. I think you have to have good product for good money. That's the exchange. I will take great photo and you'll give me great payment, you know. And unless you have a business system and structure to be able to facilitate those clients through, you can't sell to them. And it was interesting too. He said a lot of people just like to shoot for fun. And, you know, I remember I did a, a business talk a few years ago. It was on, and it was called, you know, Mind Your Own Business or something. And this lady about two minutes in got up and walked out. Anyway, a bit later on, I caught up with her and some friends and she came up and said to me, I have to apologize to you for leaving your talk. Um, my friends here told me it was really good and I should have stayed. And I said, well, why did you leave? And she said, well, you mentioned the word business and I'm just a hobbyist. I'm not interested in running a business. So I thought it wasn't for me. And I said, okay, what if though, as a hobbyist, I said, do you put your photos on social media? Yes, I do. What if I saw one and I wanted to buy it as a, as a, as a photograph, you know, would you sell it to me? Oh, I'd be so excited to sell it to you, Alex. I said, great. So, you know, what products does it come in? What sizes? How much is it? How do I make the payment? You know, do I collect it? Do you deliver it? What's the guarantee? Is it archival? How do you communicate with me about all this? I said, that is what business means. It's any sort of transaction. It's not about starting a business and having to then commercialize everything. I said, business can just be you selling a picture to someone that they've seen on Facebook that they love. And she was like, oh, I didn't realize that. I said, that's what I was talking about. She's like, well, I was very silly. <laughs> you know, like business can be that simple. Business can just be, you know, to be honest, you know, if we take photographs, we don't take pictures, you know, we take a photo on our, you know, our phone and we don't go, wow, this is the best photo ever. And when you say, can I see it? No photographer goes, no, it's just for me. You know, photos are for sharing. We go, look at this photo I took. It's the best. You know, we, we put it on our websites. We show our family, even at a, a hobbyist level. So if, if someone then comes and says, can I buy that? That's thrilling, you know, and that's a business transaction. So you don't have to be in a business where you get a business name and a building and a gallery if you don't want to do that. But just even knowing basic steps in case someone ever asks, can I buy that? You know, are kind of important things to think about. Oh, that's spot on. That is really spot on. And, um, you know, I think um, we, we have a journey as a photographer. You know, I know I have. Um, you know, we started with our mobile phone and then we buy an entry-level camera and then it gets, you know, deeper and deeper into our craft and um you know um a, a lot of photographers and especially the hobbies um kind of have that mindset of you know business mm -hmm. is this money thing and therefore you know no 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 it's not what it's not for me but mm -hmm. i think what um especially the listeners here um should consider is that um it's like winning an award you know it, it, it being somebody buying you a photo it's not necessarily about the money but about mm -hmm. that sense of pride that you know somebody else want to buy your photo to be hanged somewhere else or to be used as a as a, as a website and th there is a sense of pride there you know that's that's a big sense of pride mm -hmm. and i think um w one thing that i want to touch um um here is that you know the more expensive you charge for your art, the more it's going to get appreciated. Um, you know, just think about if you buy this big canvas for $20 and, so, you know, somebody's scratching it like dollars, uh -huh. right? Yeah. But if you yeah. buy that for $1,000, there's no way you let anyone near that to scratch it or even to touch it. So 
that is yeah. a great point, Alex. Um, you know, it's very important, I think, for people to, to think about. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, all of this costs money, right? The camera costs money, the travel mm-hmm. costs money, your studio lighting costs money. Even if you do it as a hobby, they still cost money. So yeah. uh, it's important to kind of consider that. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, that's, uh, I think that's, that story is, uh, is, is really great to, um, to, to share, um, you know, just to open up people's mind, mm-hmm. I suppose, um, um, towards not necessarily having a business, but mm-hmm. just um, understanding that side of things in case that happens. That's, that's yeah. amazing. Now, um, you know, um, you have mentored a lot of um, students and mentee and um, um, what are some of the most important thing um, when people want to take their um, passion in photography and mm-hmm. do it full time to support their life? What are some of the most important step and most important thing they should consider and um, make sure they understand before they jump into um, into that side of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, firstly, you're in the best position to transition to a full-time business if you're not under financial stress because, you know, going into it. There's, you know, I've had years ago, I had someone write to me saying, you before I was coaching, but you have to help me. I have to make money. I've decided I'll photograph pets to make money and I have to start next week. What do I do? And I actually wrote, they never wrote back, which was kind of told me a lot about them, but I kind of wrote back and said, well, firstly, you know, you photograph animals because you love them. Dogs particularly can pick up if you just photograph, you know, if you're not truly their friend. So do you actually love animals? Do you know about animals? You know, do you know about safety? Um, Is this really what you want to do? Have you just decided it's a money maker? What's, you know, you need systems and processes and a structure and the pressure of that to have to, I have to earn money next week doing this or I'm dead, you know, it's way too much. Like that's the worst case scenario. So anywhere where you have an existing job, you can slowly transition to not put yourself under immense financial stress would be my first recommendation because when you can just take photographs, a lot of photographers aspire to, you know, wow, I wish I was this well-known famous landscape photographer that made all this money or this pet photographer or whoever it is. They aspire to that. But you know what? When you can just take photos for the fun of it, that's the best type of photography. It's great to be paid, but I also have a job. I have to consistently deliver. I can't have a bad day. I'm just out shooting and I miss a few shots for myself. Ah, no worries. I had lots of fun. I can't do that in my business. I have to get that shot every single time for my client. So there's a different pressure and stress. Still amazing, but it's it shifts. There's an expectation and there's a consistency that has to be maintained. And, you know, you've, you, you've got to do that regardless with pets of the level of training of that animal. You have to get the same photo of this untrained dog as you did of this really well-trained dog. You know, that's, you kind of you know, got it because they want this photo they've seen. So I think just having as little stress and pressure as you can is, is you know, the first thing. You have to make sure in all honesty you have images people want to buy. Like I said, they have to be of a good standard that is actually has a commercial value. And then, you know, it's just working out, you know, in a slow progression. I don't think anyone should just go, right, I'm, you know, I'm going to drop this and start full-time tomorrow. It's normally a progression with things, you know, ease off some of the other work, increase a bit of this work. And then as that rolls out, the business rolls out, it'll dictate to you, you know, which paths you should take and when you should jump off that cliff and kind of end up going full-time. For me, it was kind of go full-time or the business is going to collapse because I couldn't do the orders. I was getting behind on the emails, you know, all that sort of thing. So, and then having a plan. I mean, I certainly think 
you know, working with a coach can facilitate you because they can help you skip the mistakes they made, you know, regardless of what genre of photography you do. There's coaches out there for everything. And even that, I think find a coach who has had the business you aspire to have. Don't go for a jack of all trades. Try and find the person that coaches in your genre, no matter what it is, and you know, find the person that does that and, and has actually had a career, successful career in that that you would like to have too. So, you know, find someone to help you along the way. If you can invest in that, that investment should pay itself back at some point. But having a plan and a support team, a lot of photographers too, even the ones that I speak with, you know, um, some have really supportive partners. Some don't have supportive partners and family. They think pet photography is, yeah, you're never going to make money off that. It's silly. And that's really hard. So just even creating that boundary around, right, well, we're not, you're not going to talk to me about it in that way. This is what I've chosen to do. And, you know, if they believe that, that's fine. But please don't let that energy come into me because I have to pursue this. And I kind of have that voice in my head saying, you're going to fail. No one's going to spend money on this. You know, like you said, we all doubt ourselves enough. You know, we don't need other people's opinions in there too. You can make money successfully off anything if you have a strategy and a way to market it, anything in the world. So, you know, the fact, you know, pet photography is very popular because there are a lot of pets and there are a lot of good pet photographers out there who are doing really well in it. So, you know, yeah. That is so much, Jam. And um, you know what, Alex? I I wish I had talked to you and interviewed you before <laughs> I started all this because that would have saved me so my so many miserable, like just you know, being stuck and not knowing kind of where to go. But you know that that first point about um don't be in a desperate place, I think is really important, um, mm-hmm. especially in this industry, because we are in a creative industry, you know, mm-hmm. when you, yeah. when you're in, in a desperate place, that creativity is gone. Like it's all about yeah. money. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it's, mm-hmm. it's, everything's different. So um, that, that is incredible. Um, now one follow-up question with that, um, um, you know, you, you, you share how um, sometimes, you know, like um building a photography business is not all um, sunshine and rainbows. There is a lot of work mm-hmm. that goes into it. There's a lot of things that you need to consider and also work out yourself. Um, and you also mentioned that, um, you know, like sometimes it's, it's nice not to have that pressure of just, you know, being able to shoot and, and, mm-hmm. and kind of go with this. Like, you know what, get it. Great. No, no worries. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, there's a lot of photographers out there who are thinking about pursuing this full time. Now, one uh, a question that I want to ask you is, what's your advice for people who are on, on the line, who are asking themselves, mm-hmm. I'm enjoying this, I'm at the point where I'm not sure, I'm at a crossroad. Should I pursue it full time or should I keep it as a hobby and still do you know my, their own nine to five or whatever profession that they're doing mm-hmm. I think timing is very important so right now I mean the whole world is in a state of you know still upside down on its head pretty much with the pandemic and that's brought with it a whole lot of financial impacts on lots of different people depending on where you live you know I, I say to my pet photography clients you know, you've got to understand right now there are very few people globally sitting at home going, do you know what I feel like? A pet photo shoot. Let's pay for that. They're not. You know, they think they're saying, you know what I feel like? Not dying today, not going to auntie's COVID funeral, not losing my job again, not wondering how we're going to eat next week. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on globally, which is in our lifetimes unprecedented for us, you know, to be experiencing that. So I think timing is really important. I certainly probably, you know, now is it while everything's kind of still in an 
a pause and kind of slowly coming out of that a little bit with the pandemic, you know, having been locked down and stuff starting to ease a little bit in most places, you know, hopefully. Um, I feel like it's a good, it's been, you know, people have used that downtime to make a plan and that's really smart. You know, if you're sitting at home, you might as well make a plan for when this shifts. It will eventually shift in some way, shape or form. There may be a new normal in how we live, but we'll get there. There always is. There's always upswings and downswings and stuff that happens. So I think timing is really important. And again, because you don't want to put yourself in that desperate situation, that's a horrible place to be. And there's no enjoyment in thinking you can't pay your rent if you don't make a $2,000 sale of this client. And then somehow subconsciously you're sitting there all nervous and the client picks up on it and goes, oh, you know what, actually, I'm not going to spend anything today. And you're like, you know, like, oh, my God, I'm going to, you know, it's horrible. It's not fun. So I think timing and looking at the market, you know, looking at the, the troughs and the peaks, you know, right now, I'd say the world's kind of down here a little bit. We're going to wait till it's maybe up here a bit. So it's looking at when, you know, one of the things that happens whenever people are restricted and limited, like in a lockdown, is when you let them out, they go crazy. You know, they want to go and spend money and they, you know, if they have it in, in kind of more affluent countries, you know, people haven't been traveling. So they have some disposable income right now to spend on things that make them happy. People have been doing, you know, home handyman stuff and buying artwork for the houses. So perhaps some of the you know, still life and landscape photographers can cash in on that kind of particular bit of the market. But yeah, I think timing is very important. Making sensible decisions and having a, a time frame plan. I'm going to, I've got this much money in reserve. I can live off that without the stress and I'm going to do this for six months. And if I don't get from this point to this point in six months, then, then I'll, I'll go back to whatever, you know, something else. You kind of can't keep throwing money at the wall if it's not sticking. You know, at some point it's got to lock in for you as well. So I think my backup plan, working at the store, you know, that was my backup plan. Um, and I think that is important too, to make sure you know that there's a, an out if you have to take it, you know, hopefully you won't, um, you know, and then just go for it. Put everything into it while you've got to do that. You know, initially when I started, I was working 100 hours a week. It's crazy. Now I coach my clients with that knowledge on how to make their business work for them. Because I've gone through that and now, you know, I shoot when it suits me and my clients, you know, are happy with that. And I have all these boundaries about times I work and answer emails and when I'm available and I pass that on to my clients. So they're starting from scratch with, you know, a better system in place with work-life balance and they're not just strung out 100 hours a week, you know, doing that stuff. Yeah, That's, that's fantastic advice there. Um, yeah, um, thanks for sharing that. Um, I'm sure the listeners at home hear a lot of wisdom in that um now in terms of um you know should they pursue their passion full-time mm -hmm. um what would you say to that um you know um should should they keep it as a hobby or should they monetize it and um do it as part of their lifestyle i think monetize along the way you know with business like even for me it wasn't like i'm just shooting now i'm going to stop and put a value on this and do a business it was a transition so anyone that's got another job has the blessing of being able to transition into that role. So I think start setting up some structures and practices along the way. So that may be just doing a Facebook post saying, hey, I've been photographing the mountains. You guys have seen my pictures. I now offer these prints in three sizes for three prices, three by three, you know, or three products in three sizes for three prices. Like just really simple philosophy about products and pricing. I mean, that's another thing a lot of photographers struggle with. What products, how much, you know, just go with what, you know, times it by three or four. I don't know what there's not, you know, there's all these different formulas. You've got to be comfortable with your pricing. You know, you've got to be think, I kind of initially went by what would I pay? 
you know, what would I pay for this? You know, I didn't use any formula or anything. I was like, what, what's enough to make a profit and what would I pay for this particular product? Because in pet photography, I'm my own client. I'm an animal lover and I see value in photographs. So I'm my client, you know. So if I want to know what my clients think, I ask myself what I think and I, I get the answer. So I think I'm all for everyone pursuing a passion into something more, but do it in integrated steps. Be like, okay, for the next month, I'm going to really promote that I'm selling these for money. Then I'm going to put a little shop front on my website. Um, you know, there's great sites like Redbubble. You know, if you even want to go there, I started out there. You can go on there and you can put a photograph on anything. Shower curtain. Um, I went on there and just dropped some colours like blue on this, you know, little template and printed it out as blankets for my dog because the blue matched the bedroom that they sleep in, you know, like the, the paint on the walls. You can put stuff on mugs, clocks, clothing. They sell prints, canvas. You can use all sorts of different, you know, products on there. Even that, and you can have a markup on there. So you can do, you know, a particular print run and say, I'm selling 50 of these prints through Redbubble. When they're sold, they're done. And in there, people go online, they pay Redbubble. You get the profit margin. Redbubble gets the wholesale price. You even have to, and Redbubble drop ships, they print and ship to the client. Like it's even at a starting point, then you move on to pro labs and you get more involved, you know, depending on where you want to go. But even just to get in a feel for that, there's always someone, if anyone says, I love this photo, then you think maybe they would buy it. Well, right, right. How much do you love it? I'm doing a little focus group. What would you pay for this? What products would you buy this on a mug? I might do some mugs, you know, just something to start the ball rolling. You have to have that entrepreneurial kind of spin to stuff and start thinking about opportunities. Someone saying they love your photo, don't just go, thank you, say thank you, and then say thank you, and then private message them and go, hey, said you love my photo. If I offered that as a limited edition print of 10, would you be interested? Would you also be keen if it was a canvas? And also, do you like mugs? <laughs> you know, like just do some research. And yeah, if you can then you know transition that, follow those steps. When you work towards something, stuff starts happening and doors open minute you go, I want to be full-time in this in six months, you'll be there in three because it, you'll make it happen because you're taking action. So follow those steps, take action. And when opportunities present, as long as it's not against your ethics, your morals or what you're comfortable with, say yes, even if it's scary, you know. So suddenly someone comes and says, great, I see you're selling the landscape pictures. Can you photograph, you know, do you do, you know, commercial shots of buildings? Oh, yeah. We want, you know, 15 buildings photographed, this big job. And you're like, well, I've never done, oh, I don't even know about commercial. Find out, say yes, find out later. Yeah, I'll do that. They go, I'll just get some quotes to you though. And then quickly do your research. There's enough groups and, you know, other photographers you can, you know, get Google and, you know, there's there's even, you know, um, some of the, the Getty Images has a, a cap image calculator price for stuff like that. Get on that and find the answer and then just, and act like you've done it a million times. Fake it till you make it. Yeah, I do. I photograph buildings. Oh, my goodness, I've got to photograph 15 buildings. They're going to be on billboards and in magazines. Oh, no, you know, just, you know, we can get overwhelmed with the job. But most of us who take photos, we can take a photo. Why do we get so scared of these big things when it's just us doing what we do? You know, we get a, you know, had to photograph for a, got asked to photograph a, a movie poster, dogs for a movie poster, and had to go on set the last day of shooting and I've never photographed a film poster. Like it wasn't even on my bucket list. It was so outside my realm of thinking that I could do that. And I got so nervous. I was like, I've got to go and photograph dogs. Ah! And I was like, oh, Alex, you've got to go and photograph dogs. You photograph a thousand dogs a year. Like just go and do your job. And I walked in there and they all looked to me like, how, sh how should we set this up? Because they didn't know. They do film. And I'm like, all right, we need the backdrop here. 
And like, okay, where do you want the trainer? And I just did my job, you know, and they weren't like, yeah, they don't know. So, you know, I just did my job and got the photo. I really, you know, gave myself a talking to about getting ahead in your head. So follow the steps, push forward. And by all means, yeah, I, I'm fully for anyone who thinks they can, you know, get to that point of being professional and successful in photography. It's brilliant, you know, but don't do it where it's going to cause you great stress and be, you know, and then not work how you want. Go slow, have a plan um, and then execute it. And then when you have a plan, write down goals. Goal setting is really important. Every year I write down five things I want to achieve and I put two or three things on there that are just insane that I'm like, this is never. And normally within a month, I've done the first two and a half. I'm like, wow, that was quick. And then next thing, the random hard thing drops in and there's only, you know, one or two more things to go. And, you know, if you don't achieve them that year because they're big, move them on to the next year. But writing stuff down moves you towards it, means you take action to making it happen. So, yeah. Wow, Alex. Um, I want to do a slow clap here, but um, that, <laughs> honestly, that that, speech. <laughs> you, just, you just dropped the bomb there. And um, you know, uh, listeners, if you've been thinking about, you know, starting your photography business, this right here, right? You just gave basically a framework on how to get started. And that is awesome. incredible. Um, yeah. Um, again, something I wish I had, uh, you know, figured out um, a few few years ago. So that is great. Um, look, um, I want to talk about your book. Um, you put together a book, um, and yeah. So sh- share with us. Um, I- I'd like you to introduce your book and share 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 with us how that come about and what's um you know what's the the idea behind the book. I'll just grab, I've actually got seven, um, but uh, the latest one was, I'll just grab them here. You, you Here's a few seven them. books, did yeah, you? Yeah, I've got seven, yeah. Wow. So um, this is the latest one that came out late last that's, year. That's the one that I knew, yeah. Yeah, that's the Quokka's Guide to Happiness. Um, that sold a record number of copies in about two weeks, so that pretty much has sold out other than a few copies still in some stores. It's all sold out in the warehouse I have one on animals with disabilities because I'm very big supporter of, you know, saying, you know, this little dog with one eye is no different to a dog with two eyes. It's just a cute little dog that needs love and care and, you know, gives love and a lot of joy. have a book on rescue greyhounds. Um, up until October, I had a little rescue greyhound who uh, passed away at seven, but she was awesome. Got one called Zen Dogs, dogs meditating with the eyes shut. And there's a couple more as well. Um it's an interesting story how I got into books. These are all with publishing companies. So I get I get paid and I earn money off the sales and it's all it's all really fabulous. Um, I first got into books because I was asked by a client to donate, donate a photo for free of a rescue dog to a book about rescue dogs. And because it was for charity, I didn't get all weird and go, you must pay me $4,000. I said, look, you know what? Your dog's a rescue. The book's for rescue. You can use that photo, just put a credit on it. So they did. Then the book went really well and they were doing a second version of the book, you know, part two. And one of my friends had a little rescue dog that the publisher wanted for the cover of the book. And I, they were on the other side of Australia, but I had photographed that dog when she was over here visiting once. So I had these studio shots, the only studio shots of this dog. So my friend, the dog's owner, said to the publisher, you need to go to Alex for the photos because none of the photos we've got, they're just on our phone. You need to go to her for one of these studio shots. So they came to me and said, can we use your picture on the cover? Actually, I've got it here. And so I said, sure. So that was 
this little dog on the cover. They oh. de-fetched her out on the put on the cover. Um, and so this is just a storybook about rescue dogs. And you can see there's a few pictures. This is how my original picture was used, kind of like this, in the first volume. So I said yes to that. But now I've got on the phone two editors from a publishing company, you know, talking to me about the cover of this book. I'm very careful when I, you know, make approaches to people, especially like editors. Can you imagine they even go out to dinner with their friends and their friends are probably saying, oh, I've got this great idea for a book. I was just thinking I could write, you know, like, oh, and they're like, oh, I just want to have dinner, you know, because they're editors. They're, everyone's always hitting them up for their great ideas. I don't want to be that person. You know, it's like I've got some celebrity friends. I never ask them for a favour. I never go, hey, can you introduce me to Pink? You know, they know Pink. You know, I'm, I just, because that's not, the, that's a boundary, you know, like I don't want to do that. So I, I, but I don't miss an opportunity. So I had these editors on the phone, did the, gave them the picture for the cover, got paid, yeah, book covers are good income. And then just said to them, hey, by the way, I have 4 million photos of animals in my image library. If you ever need animal pictures for anything, or you'd like to do a book of something, please keep me in mind. Very non-committal. Didn't require a yes or no answer. It wasn't them going, oh, here she goes, a book idea, you know. And literally two weeks later, my phone rang and it was one of the editors and she just said, hi, do you want to do a book? And that was my first book with them. Then I did my second uh, with, within the same year. And then I moved to a different publisher and I've done all these ones with the same publisher since then, um, HarperCollins, who I just love. Um, in New York, they, they come out globally all around the world. They, they're sold around the world, which is really cool. All because I just very casually put out, I planted a seed. You know, and that's what I like to do. If someone says, um, you know, if I'd if I'd said, do you need any animal photos? And they went, no. I would have said, oh, that's okay. If you ever do, please keep me in mind. I just leave the door open, you know, without, you know, putting any pressure on them or asking, you know, well, can you can I do a book? That would be like, no. You know, like they would have annoyed them, and I wouldn't have heard from them again. So yeah, that's a that's kind of how they come about. Um, when I finished with that publisher, I put these Zen Dogs pictures online on a website called Board Panda. It's a great site where that websites and news sites troll for pop culture kind of fun content, you know, funky, interesting stories about animals, people, fun stuff. So I put this on Board Panda and it went viral. And 24 hours later, my phone rang and it said New York City on the phone. And I was like, New York City's ringing. I'm very excited. And I, it was about 10.30 at night and I answered the phone and it was the Huffington Post. And this lady said, I work for Huffington Post. I've seen the Zen Dogs photos on Board Panda. Can we please run these tomorrow in the health and wellbeing section of the Huffington Post? It was probably a, about um, probably about a year before the US election and all the political campaigning was happening, um, not the last one, like four years ago, four and a half, five years ago. And everyone was getting a bit stressed because there's a lot of information and a lot of stuff going on. So they're like, we, people really need like something right now that's happy and like takes them away from all this politics. So I said, sure. So they ran them the next morning on the Huffington Post. And 24 hours after that, I had an email in my inbox from HarperCollins, New York, saying, we saw the pictures on the Huffington Post. Do you want to do a book? So just by getting content out there. Now, you know, no book guarantees the next one. So I still have to write a book pitch and have an idea and a concept and we work through it. And it has to be something that sells and something that hasn't been done before in the same way and something that, you know, it also depends on my brand reputation you know, are people going to buy the things I put out? Do people like me enough to go, yes, you know, I'm going to get this book because I know she helps rescue and my social media following impact and all that sort of stuff comes into play as well, you know, because I have to contribute to, you know, promoting it and help get it, get the word out there. But, yes, yeah, so I feel very blessed to have um, all those books and 
the little one, this one's just was just it, it was put together before COVID. And it's just meant to make people happy. It's these really cute little animals that just make they they like the happiest animals on earth. They make people laugh, basically. They're really cute little things. And it's got sayings, but some of the sayings are things like, you know, now very relevant to COVID, things like just hold on, better days are coming, and you know, we'll get through this together. And they're all these really cute little things that now have a different meaning post-COVID than when we actually did the book. But I think that's partly why it went so well. You know, it brought people joy. It's a simple, happy book. Sometimes the easiest concepts, you know, it doesn't have to be anything too tricky, just something that makes people happy. They they love it. Wow, that's that's incredible. So you actually made that book before the COVID hits. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I finished. Um, probably it was all submitted about four months before COVID yeah, hit, maybe January, so maybe three months before COVID came, yeah. And it, and it was published. It, it, normally you submit the content. It takes about a year for it to be printed and, and edited and stuff. So, yeah, a year before it came out, but came out at Christmas while, you know, COVID was kind of still around in most places. That's awesome, yeah. And uh, for, for the listeners out there who don't know what the Kwokai is, which is, you know, the, <laughs> the, 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 the cover or what the book is all about, is it's basically an animal that you can only find in Western Australia. I'm pretty sure it's, it's you can only find it in Rodness Island, right? Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it's the cutest thing. It's, um, it's always smiling. It's, it's the happiest animal on earth, probably. Uh-huh. And um, just look it up. Go uh, search. It's Kwokai. Uh, it's it starts with Q-U-O-A-K-A. Is that is that right? Uh, Q Q U O double K A Quokka. Double K, yeah. yeah. And yep. um yeah, you'll 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 know exactly um, um what we meant by you know the happiest animal on earth. Mm-hmm. But Alex, it's been you know an incredible hours talking to you. You know, you've dropped so many wisdom and advices, and um it's just been um yeah, so many learning um and so many takeaways that we can take from this conversation. Um, now, I always ask um, my guests this one question before we all end up the podcast. If there is one thing that you could give as an advice, I know you have given heaps. So um, if there is one thing that you can give advice either, you know, as a, uh, for photographers or, um, mm-hmm. in, or in a more business sense, um, what is that one most important thing that you think people should consider and focus on uh, I think the best bit of advice is you know a lot of photographers doubt their own work and ability you know they have that that like is this good enough and and the comparison to other photographers and it's that thing if you ask for 100 opinions you'll get 100 opinions if you have a photograph that you love and no one else hates it it doesn't matter you know the stuff I love of mine the most is the really abstract weird stuff that other people look at and go that's blurry I'm like no that's art you know so don't let anyone ever tell you that you know or they'll tell you but don't take it in don't let it in you know have that just be like okay that's I asked for your opinion so I'm going to get it it differs to mine you know there comes a point where you might stop asking for opinions and just trust what you want you know I like this photo therefore I like this photo I'm going to print it so just don't don't doubt your own assessment of your own work you know but also don't be too hard on yourself. Not everything you take is rubbish, you know. You, you know, know when it's a good photo and know to self-audit. You know, you get those people that post, you know, 100 photos on Facebook of the same thing and you're like, you could have said that in two shots. You know, pick the two best and use those. Don't do the two best in the 98, okay, not very good, down to rubbish. You know, like don't put the whole series on there. Um, and, yeah, and just 
forge ahead, seek help if you need it. You know, like you've said a few times, I wish I had someone I could have worked with in the beginning. I've spent tens of thousands of dollars and countless hours of life I don't have, you know, that's gone on making mistakes that now I can help my clients not make ever again. You know, I go, they start from, I started from here. They're now starting from over here and they can skip that through my knowledge. So find support if you want to take it to the next level, find the coach that fits you and just keep shooting. Best thing you can do as a photographer is just shoot. And, you know, if you do end up doing it as a business and you have days where it is it, sometimes like anything, sometimes there's days where it's just a job, which, you know, you don't want to stay in those days for too long because we're very blessed to do what we do. But if you do, just have a day off work and go and shoot for you where there's no expectation. Just go and be in nature, be where it makes you happy and just shoot for fun without thinking I have to sell this product as a result or it's got to be this certain type of photo. Just have a, have a enjoy it and get it back to what it used to be. And then you've got that balance between, you know, the commercial side and just doing it because you love it as well. Because you never want to lose that, you know. You know, there, there are a billion worse jobs in the world than taking photos, you know. So you never want it to become a bit of a chore where you're like, because it can be dealing with the public. You've got systems. You've got to do admin. 70% of it's emailing back about print orders and, you know, all that sort of stuff. It can bog you down. So, yeah, just have a good plan and um, make sure you always enjoy it and put time in there to enjoy it if you need to as well. And don't ask for too many opinions. All right. Well, that's great, Alex. And, um, you know, the, it's the same with you. Um, you know, I wish uh, back then I knew a concept of mentorship. And mm-hmm. I wish I knew there, you know, somebody that um, uh, that could mentor me or that I can relate to that, that um, I'd love to be mentor. Um, but to be honest, like, you know, back then I probably wouldn't take it anyway. I was too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now you're like, damn, like that's, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny though. It's, it's a progression. I feel that, you know, like, yeah. you have to go through it and then you look back and you're like, man, I could have just, you know, <laughs> I could have shortcut that for two grand. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Everything could yeah. be started in one day. It's crazy. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great advice. And I love how you say, um, you know, find a mentor that uh, not, not just a mentor that is good, but mm-hmm. a mentor that you can relate to that you want to be because, uh, you know, um, just because they're good in their photography doesn't mean mm-hmm. um, th- there will be a good mentor or even if they're a good mentor doesn't mean it will suit what you wanted to do. So it's really important. I think um, that is one of the most important thing when picking a mentor so i'm glad that you mentioned that well alex it's been such a pleasure um you know to have you here um now i am sure that um the listeners want to um you know find out more about um your very cute um you know zen dogs <laughs> and um quokkas and all these um very cute animals so where can they um you know see more of your work and um you know get in touch with you if they want um to um to get that mentorship going and you know save these years of <laughs> pains and frustrations. <laughs> yeah, sure. My so my photography business is called Houndstooth Studio, and the Facebook page is Houndstooth Studio. If they search Houndstooth Studio by Alex Kearns, that will pop up. And I also have a, a Facebook page that's a private group for photographers, small business owners, and creatives. So it's a little bit different to the standard photography groups. And that's called Inspire, I-N-S-P-H-I-G-H-E-R, like Inspire as in higher up, um, with Alex Kearns. And that, you know, they can apply there to be, um, join the group and I'll let them in. And, you know, I just share all sorts of different stuff in there. People um, share success stories and it's just kind of a really nice group. You can ask advice, um, but it's also, it's mostly, you know, small business based generally. 
with a, a quite a bit of a slant towards photography and the creative arts. So they can find me there too. Um, but yeah, Houndsu Studio, if they want to find me there, I can always send them information on anything else and they can check out other cute animals too while they're there. Fantastic. Yeah, no, um, um, I'll, I'll make sure that I'll put it on the on the description so, um, you know, they can just click on it. But yeah, thanks a lot for sharing that, um, Alex. Um, it's been, um, you know, First of all, listeners, those, um, you know, if you can find that group um, on the on the description below, jump on that. Um, Alex would uh, drop some of the, her greatest um, advice and wisdom there as well. So um, if you get a lot from this, you will get a lot from that um, group as well. So um, but yeah, like um, I'll put it all in there. Um, but I just want to thank you for, um, you know, not not only being here, but sharing a lot of this um, wisdom and advices that um, I think it will give a clarity to a lot of people that want to make this happen. Um, you know, I know just listening to this, um, you know, I honestly wish that I had listened to this, um, you know, two, two, three years ago down the line, mm -hmm. it would have saved me so much time. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, thank you very much for uh, being here and thank you very much for, um, you know, sparing a time um, to share your knowledge. And I love how you don't hold back on your knowledge as well. You're so generous with them. So we absolutely appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been great. It's been good to chat.